A reading from Genesis chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham, saying, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him up there as a burnt offering on the mountain of which I will tell you. So Abraham arose early, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place that he was told. And on the third day, he lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. So he said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go and worship there and will come again to you. And then he took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And so they went, the two of them, together. And when they came to the place where it had been told to him, Abraham built the altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, but an angel from heaven spoke to him and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And he called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How did Abraham learn to trust God? This is the last of four weeks asking this question of the life of Abraham. Abraham lived a big life, big ups and big downs. And yet when we look at his life, we see a life of faith. A man who grew and grew and grew in his trust and obedience. And we see such amazing trust in this text today. How did Abraham learn to trust the Lord? Well, part of the answer that we see in today's text is that Abraham learned to trust the Lord because the Lord tested him again and again. 
that in fact it was in the testing that he grew. And we know this in our own life, don't we? We know that any significant growth that we go through in our lives usually happens because we've gone through a period of testing, a period of trial. Verse one says, after these things, God tested Abraham. His whole life has been a test up to this point. For all these years, he's had this promise spoken over him, this promise of a son, this promise of an amazing heritage of children, a multitude like the stars in heaven or the sand on the seashore. And he's been waiting. His whole life has been a test. So when it says after these things, you could read it as after all this testing, which came to a head in chapter 21, when the son of promise, Isaac, is born. Finally, we see the promise fulfilled. And yet after all this testing, in the very next chapter, God tested Abraham again. It just seems that God is relentless with his testing because God is determined to grow us to be the people that he's called us to be. You think of James chapter one, who speaks of this idea of testing, growing us. Blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial. For when they've stood the test, they will receive the crown of life. In other words, as you go through these trials and tests, you will grow, you'll be stronger. I think of Romans chapter five. In this text, Paul uses the word suffering, but I want you to exchange when I read the word suffering now with the word testing, because usually as we're going through a test, we don't know it's a test. It's just a trial, it's just hard, it's just suffering. But hear these words from Romans chapter five about what God uses these difficult testing trial times for. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. I mean, this is the picture of what the Bible is telling us about testing periods, that we grow through them. As one commentator says, Satan tempts us to destroy us, but God tests us to strengthen us. But this is the most unthinkable of tests. This is the most unthinkable of texts. tests. Look at verse 2. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. A burnt offering literally means that which goes up. A burnt offering, there's nothing left over. A burnt offering is burning the whole thing up. There is to be nothing left of your son. That's what God is asking of him. And, and my question as I look at this, and you probably ask the same thing, we don't like a God who tests, but we especially don't like this story. What kind of God would ask this of a father? I mean, I mean, seriously, what kind of God would ask this of a father? Well, in Abraham's day, living in Canaan, every God would. I mean, that's, that's the contextual key here. Living in Canaan, among these other pagan deities, Child sacrifice was a common requirement. And so, though it's thankfully outside of our plausibility structures that God could say, sacrifice your child, in Abraham's day, this is 
totally within his plausibility structures. He's seen the Canaanite gods require this again and again. Molech, for example. Molech, people would regularly burn their children to Molech in order to curry his favor. In 2 Kings, we see King Josiah actually destroy the temple of Molech so people would stop burning their kids. This is totally a reality in Abraham's day. And Abraham obediently goes. He goes. Can you imagine those three days walking to Mount Moriah? Can you imagine what he's praying in his tent every night? Is he walking a little slowly? Some commentators have said that three days is a bit long to get from where he was to Moriah. Maybe he purposely walked a little slow. But then when he gets there, he's obedient even in that moment. He goes up and he builds the altar and he places the wood in order. And in order means carefully and maybe it even means he slowly placed the wood. Oh Lord, another word right now would be really, really helpful. And yet he lays his son on the altar, probably 14 or 15 years of age, because he's big enough to carry his own wood up the hill. And obediently, because there's been no further word, he takes the knife and raises it to slaughter his son. I mean, this picture of obedience, how, how, how can the Lord ask this of Abraham? And how can Abraham do this? How can he obey this? But Friends, if we look at the story of Genesis 22, if we seek to understand what's going on in this story, we will see what's going on in our own stories of testing, but we're also going to see the gospel powerfully in Genesis 22. In the story, we see that testing from the Lord is about purpose, it's about provision. And it's also about prophecy. And we'll talk about prophecy in a moment. For now, just purpose and provision. Testing, the story of testing is about Abraham's purpose. Verse one, he says, God says, Abraham, and he responds with these words, here I am. And that's a clue. Three times in this text, Abraham responds with that phrase, here I am, to Isaac, when Isaac asks him about where the missing lamb is, and then with, again, the angel speaking to him from heaven, he says, here I am. Three times, here I am. And you may think, I've heard that phrase before in Scripture, and you have. Here's where you've heard it. Very specific places. Exodus chapter 3, Moses meets God in the burning bush. God says, Moses, and he says, here I am. 1 Samuel chapter 3, the prophet boy, Samuel's in the temple, God says, Samuel, Samuel, and he says, here I am. Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah is in the court of heaven. And the Lord says, who shall go for us and who shall we send? And Isaiah says, here I am. And finally, this whirlwind of scripture comes to a close in Acts chapter 9. After Saul of Tarsus, that great terrorist and killer of the Christians, is converted on the road to Damascus. And Ananias is going to be sent to go and pray for him. God says, Ananias, and he says, here I am. What's the point? The point is this. That at every point in scripture, when this phrase, here I am, is used, it is a code that says, this is a scene about calling. 
This is God calling someone to a task. God's calling someone to their vocation. God calling them on mission. In each one of these stories, it's their call narrative. And so it is for Abraham. And we've got to remember this. This, what, What this passage is trying to show us right at the beginning is do not forget that this testing moment is under the umbrella of Abraham's call. You see, what was Abraham's call back in Genesis 12? I mean, it's just a small call. You know, through you and your offspring that are going to come out of Isaac, by the way, through you and your offspring, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Just a small call. You know, you and your family are going to be the answer. Imagine that on a business card. Right, that's the calling on Abraham's life. And what's amazing is at the end of this testing story, in verses 15 and following, God, after Abraham has got through this test, he reiterates the call all over again. What does he say in, verses, in verse 17? He says, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Periods of testing are about purpose. They're about calling because God is determined to grow his sent ones, his missionaries, to be the people he needs them to be. Unflappable, strong, enduring. And that happens through testing. We grow into our callings. We grow into the ability to fulfill our callings because God is testing those he sends. I remember when my brother Philip returned from basic training in the army. Basic training is kind of like a testing period, isn't it? Testing to grow you, strengthen you. And when Philip came back from basic training, he's seven years my junior, man, he'd put on muscle. I'd never seen him quite so broad before. Now, Philip and I used to wrestle, and I always won. And so here we are. I'm in my late 20s. Philip is about 21 and huge, and we're doing our usual sparring verbally in the backyard, and I just can't take it anymore, and I jump off the porch of my parents' house, and I land on him, and in a heartbeat, I'm on the ground, pinned and losing air. (laughs) The testing clearly worked for Philip. But then, do you know what was so humiliating? It was worse. Humiliating enough. More humiliating, my wife and my mother begging for my life. (laughs) It's a horrible moment. But man, testing works. Testing grows us into the people we need to be. God uses our periods of testing for this call in our life, for this purpose we've been given. But also, not only is it about our purpose, but it's about provision. The stories of testing here with Abraham, but also with us, are about provision, the Lord's provision. I mean, the question that's being asked over every period of testing we go through is, will you believe that God will provide? Will you trust me that God will provide? Every test we go through is ultimately asking us that question, will you trust that God will provide? Abraham says something amazing in verse 5. Verse 5, our English Bibles often don't get the quite nuance of the Hebrew. 
Our English Bibles say, he says to the young men, stay with the donkey. I and the boy will go and worship and will come again to you. Just so you're clear, here's what the Hebrew says. I and the boy will go and worship and I and the boy are gonna come back. What Abraham is saying, probably with gritted teeth, with great amounts of faith, maybe, you know, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief kind of faith, just clinging to faith. He's saying, I'm going, Isaac's going with me, and somehow Isaac is coming back. We're going to go up the mountain, but we're coming down together. And in verse 8, he specifically says that when Isaac says, where's the burnt offering? Like, where's the lamb? We got all the tools. Dad, you forgot something. And Abraham says, the Lord will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. That's a language of faith. The Lord is going to provide, Isaac. He's going to provide. I don't know how he's going to provide, but he's going to provide. This is the constant test that is put on the heart of every disciple. Will we trust the Lord to provide? And you may say, hold on, hold on. Seriously, hold on. I mean, the Abraham story, as horrible as this is, it's got a happy ending. But we all know that not every one of these testing stories ends with a happy ending, do we? I mean, seriously, not every story ends up in a happy ending. We know this in our lives. There are times when we see real pain, real brokenness. I think Hebrews 11 gives us a little window into what's going on in Abraham's heart and mind as he goes up that mountain with Isaac. Hebrews 11 gives us this wonderful picture. It's a great example of Scripture interpreting Scripture. Here's what Hebrews 11, verses 17 says. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises that was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named, Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Hebrews is saying that in Abraham's heart, as he's walking up the hill, saying, I don't know how I'm going to get out, out of this. I don't know if this is going to have a happy ending. But somehow, even God can raise the dead. And I'll tell you, for those of you who've been through testing periods that have not had the happy ending you're hoping for, I know a piece of that pain, and yet God's faithfulness. You see, we need to reframe what we mean by the Lord provides I mean, we need to think also in terms of eternity, in a lasting sense. And this is not just a cop-out. Oh, it's all going to be better in heaven. No, heaven is for real. Heaven is what lasts. The gospel is what lasts. When our second oldest, SJ, was chronically sick for seven years, in and out of children's hospitals, at times very, very sick, we would, of course, always pray. As you know, we would pray for her, pray for healing, But there were times when she was really sick and it was really scary. And in those moments, my prayers would shift from healing to, oh Lord, raise my daughter from the dead. And I didn't mean in that room, in the hospital room. I mean, maybe, sure, if that was to happen. But I meant ultimately, eternally, oh Lord God, if you should take her, raise her one day from the dead, raise me from the dead, raise her mother from the dead and her sisters, and so there can be a great reunion. That reframes our understanding of the Lord will provide. As Psalm 23 says, we read a moment ago, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's always about provision. It's always about trusting. Will the Lord provide? Will the Lord provide in this period of testing? Well, my question for you is, how do we know? I mean, my question for the text is, how do we know the Lord will provide? How do we know? How can we be sure? When we're really struggling, when we're really being tested, how can we, what can we cling to to know that the Lord will surely provide? Well, that's why it's not just about, testing isn't just about purpose. And periods of testing are not just about provision, but ultimately this story, Abraham's story, is a prophecy. It really is a prophecy where God is going to prove ultimately his trustworthiness. He will prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he will provide. And here's what I mean. This Abraham and Isaac story, it happened. But it pointed to a much bigger story that was going to happen. This prophecy, this story of of, of Genesis 22 is a prophecy about the future, a bigger event that is much bigger than Abraham and Isaac. You see, in verse 2 of our text, we read that God says, take them to the land of Moriah. And that's where this takes place, on the mountain of Moriah. Do you know where Moriah is? Well, a thousand years later, in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, we read, then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is where the temple was built. Mount Moriah is Jerusalem. Mount Moriah, a thousand years after this Abraham and Isaac story, is where the temple of the Lord gets built. And then a thousand years after that, this prophecy, because it is a prophecy, ultimately comes true. You see, a thousand years after the temple is built, there is another man who walks up the Mount of Moriah out of Jerusalem. And he, like Isaac, is an only son. And he, like Isaac, carries the wood of his sacrifice up the hill on his own. He, like Isaac, knows these words that the Lord will provide a lamb. But of course, unlike Isaac... This one is the Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there will not be a ram. He will be the sacrifice instead of you and me. And Abraham rightly prophesies about the name of this place where this man will go because he says it is to be called the Lord will provide. Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. You see, on that very mount, that's exactly it. The Lord did provide. 2,000 years after Isaac went up that mountain, the Lord ultimately provided, and in that provision, proved to us his absolute surety that he would provide for us. As Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says, and it sure sounds like the language of Genesis 22, when it says, what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not with him provide us 
everything else. Jesus, as 1 Peter 2 says, was bearing our sins in his body on the cross, and by his wounds we have been healed. God gave us proof, proof of his love, proof of his provision. As you're going through your struggles, your trials now, as I'm going through struggles and trials now, it is about purpose. Ultimately, God is building in you and in me faith and strength and endurance so we can live into the call that he has given us, each one of us, by nature of our baptism. All of us are called, therefore, all of us will be tested. But it's not just about our purpose, it's ultimately about his provision. Will we believe the question being spoken over you right now and over me in whatever testing you're going through is will you believe that the Lord will provide? Will you believe it? But you know what's amazing is he gives us proof. Proof, a sign, a demonstration for all to see that he will provide even when it costs him everything. In the midst of our tests, we see this prophecy from Genesis 22 fulfilled. You and I know more than Abraham. Abraham only knew part of the story. We know the whole story. We know ultimately the fulfillment of this prophecy. And to sum up this entire series, how does Abraham learn to trust God? How do we learn to trust God? I sum it up by saying it ultimately is found as we behold that sacrifice offered. Faith is grown as we gather at the feast that celebrates the death and resurrection of the Son of God, the greatest provision that God has ever made for us. And as you come to the table in the season of Lent, as you come to the table in the midst of your testing and trials, as you come to the table yearning to grow in faith, hear these words, the greatest declaration you could hear that God will provide, the body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. What then shall we say of these things? We who want to grow in our faith, we who are going through trials and testings, what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not with him provide us everything else? Come to the table. Come in the midst of your testing. Come with your pain. Come with your brokenness. Come seeking faith. And hear these words. The body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. And Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.